Hello everyone, this is your host Nazuk Jain for the Product Career Show. I'm a product manager in fintech startup and twice a month I sit down with a product management leaders and discuss all things product leadership. You can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn with the username product career. So without further ado, you're now listening to our discussion with our guest. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining. And thank you, everyone. For those of you who don't know Jackie, let me really, you know, quickly introduce Jackie. So Jackie has over 15 years of product management experience. And most recently, she was the head of Asana. And then during her tenure, she grew the PM team to over 20 people and helped Asana's go, Asana to go from zero to 100 million in annual reoccurring revenue and also launched Asana's uh, associate product, uh, product management program. And she's worked for, prior to that, Google, Microsoft, and as well as very diverse set of PM roles, which is consumer side, B2B side, platform, mobile, growth, pretty diverse set. And she's been manager of managers. This is my most exciting part, right? So she's written two books, the first one, Cracking the PM Interview and Cracking the PM Career, which is the latest book. It's out now. And I am super excited to be talking about that book and also deep, deep dive into some product management principles of the role. I hope you guys are excited as I am. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Um, all right, Jackie. So let's, uh, let's start with, you know, um, I want to level set for um the pm role itself since you have worked uh across various like start you know when asana was a startup versus you know work for large companies you know with google microsoft how has the role been for you when you know for the startups or like generally you know for startups and small companies at you know mid stage you know companies at a growth stage you know how does that role evolve then and then for very large companies basically. Yeah. yeah. So what's been really interesting to me is that in a lot of ways, the role of the PM, in a lot of ways, it's the same at small companies, medium-sized companies, and large companies. Um, at all the places I've worked, I've worked closely with engineers. Um, at Microsoft, I had a tester, not a designer I work closely with. And at uh, Google and Asana, I had a designer that, uh, that I worked closely with on my team. And at all of these companies, we're trying to like understand what are the customer problems, um, what are possible solutions for that? How are we going to get done? And then making, you know, trade-offs, prioritizations, figuring out, you know, we don't have as much time to do all the things we'd love to do um, as we want. So which things will we do first? How will we break it up? Um, and how do, you, how do you work with your team to get things done every day? So, so much of it is the same. Um, and then to get to the differences, I think the, the big difference is that at a large company, there's there's a lot more people. <laughs> and so um, it means a few things. One is that any kind of specialist you need, uh, a large company probably has it. So for example, at large companies, um, we had user research labs with eye tracking and dedicated user researchers who, um, who could bring people in and sort of answer any question you have. Um, and eventually we got to dedicated user researchers at Asana, but we didn't have that when I started. Um, if you want to know, I remember like, why are our emails getting sent to spam folders? We could like go talk to someone who knows about emails at the large company. Um, whereas at a small company, we, we worked with an external consulting firm to try to who knew those expertise. So at a small company, we went outside of the company for that expertise a lot of the time. Um, and then also when it comes to working with your team uh, at a big company, the, the core work that I did with my feature team, we would make decisions. And then there, there's layers of approval and um, an alignment with the rest of the company that would go up. Whereas, uh, especially when Sana was very small, all the people at the company were in the room together when we made those decisions. And so, uh, and so we would make the decision and then be able to move forward with it. So that's a lot of when we talk about small companies feeling like they move fast. Some of that feeling is just that like, Everybody has to do that first round of working with your team to decide what you want to do. But at a large company, once you've decided, there's other other people to bring on board. Right. So you have to basically get approvals from higher ups, different functional teams, across functional teams. But that's I, I guess that's for the for the large companies. 
keep getting approvals, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And for good reason, because uh, if you, if there's a product that, you know, that you're spending a lot of money on that you, that's used by many, many people, uh, if the decisions made are inconsistent, that is, that is worse for the customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So the type of customer you tend to have tends to be different. You have customers who are happy to be on the cutting edge and they don't mind a few problems with your app or if it occasionally goes down because you made a mistake or you make a bad UI decision that's hard to use. Or uh, is this is this the sort of thing that an IT department is going to roll out to all their whole company, and it has to it has to be right and has to work with all of the systems they already have in place? Right, right. That's that's awesome. That's a very uh, nice end to end description. I I love that. I love that. Um, when you so so when the product manager is working, you know, at the core of it, it's pretty similar, right? Their role is pretty similar. But do you, so what qualities basically um, do hiring managers look for when they're hiring for um, like any specific traits do hiring managers look for when they're hiring for PMs? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I think I'm thinking about like how to hire great PMs. So um, the first thing that, that hiring managers should do is think about what, what kind of PM would be perfect for this job. And that, that will depend on the company because product management is this white space role. It fills in the gaps that the other, that the other people on the team leave. And so, for example, if you, have, um, if you have a very junior team, you might want to bring in a product manager who has more experience, who knows all the best practices, who can bring all of that experience in and help, and help raise the level of the team. Whereas if you have a, a company full with lots of senior PMs, you might uh, be happy to bring on someone with less experience who is going to be happy to focus more on execution and getting things done. And you can ha- take the time to, to have them learn on the job. So, so what people look for will be different. Um, once, once, you, but once you have an idea of like all the things you want, the other thing to check is what can you teach people uh, and how quickly can you teach it to them? So there are some things you can teach people really, really quickly. So for example, you can teach somebody what an A-B test is pretty quickly. And this is maybe less relevant now, but in like 2011, a lot of people just hadn't had a chance to run an A-B test and it didn't really make sense. Some companies did filter on whether or not you knew what an A-B test was, but I didn't think it really made sense to filter on that because, um, because I could just explain it to someone. And once, you, once you've heard about it, you could just take a few minutes and you'll learn the basics of it. So there's things that you can just kind of teach people, explain what they are. Um, some companies will test on this, so it's kind of unfortunate, but I do recommend that hiring managers shouldn't. Um, is like, what kind of stuff can you explain to someone in 10 minutes? Um, then there's um, a set of things that can be taught, but it takes time. So if you think about like, how do, how do I work with an engineering team every day? How do I break work into smaller milestones and keep the motivation going as things are going along? Um, the, those kinds of, of skills, uh, a lot of these are from the core PM skills, are ones that you can learn and almost every PM does learn, um, but you don't learn them in 10 minutes. You learn them in, um, you learn them in maybe two years. <laughs> You learn, you learn the basics in a few months and then you sort of really refine it over two years. Yeah. Going, so for those, it's really about like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, going deep into something, you know, understanding something on a high level, it's quick, but then really going deep, like, let's say even, for example, A-B testing, you know, really going down deep, mm-hmm. perhaps partnering up with a designer or somebody from the design team kind of understanding. It does take a little bit of a, you know, time to go deep into something. Yeah. 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 And so then it will really depend on sort of what the, the company is hiring for, because some companies, you know, companies that have an APM program, they generally say like, yeah, it's okay that this person's going to take two years to become a fully independent product manager. Uh, we, have the, we have the senior PMs who can mentor them and we have the time and we want to start investing. So we'll have these great PMs in two years from now. Um, but other companies, especially you think about smaller companies, uh, they don't have the time to, to wait two years for someone to learn how to become um, a good PM. And so they, they might test more heavily on your experience and the best practices, you know, the third category is, is like mindsets and traits. And this is the sort of stuff that like someone can practice and try to get better at it, but I wouldn't put a timeline. I wouldn't say that you can like that as a manager, I can definitely hire someone and get them to be great at design sense in two years. It really is more, a lot of these have to do with the way that your brain thinks 
and the kinds of details that you think are interesting or that you notice or that you're willing to spend time on. So, so here I think about things like product sense and design sense. So this is not necessarily can you design something that's beautiful, um, but do you have taste? Can you tell if something you've designed is terrible? Can you be like, this is bad? Do you recognize when you've made a mistake? Um, because if you don't even see that like, oh, um, I, I, this, this design pattern that I put together, even in like wireframes, if you're like, oh, there's an error, so I'll do a pop-up box. Like if you, haven't, if you haven't noticed that that's a bad pattern on websites, then, um, then that's, something about, that's saying something about what kinds of details your, your brain notices and cares about. Another thing here is really personal mindset. So um, how, uh, how do you deal with conflict? How are you, are you willing to be curious uh, and are you willing to be wrong about things? Um, a lot of things about like, how do you, uh, do you, do you see other people, do you see a lot of situations as like the other person's probably trying to do something good and I'd like to like figure out where we can come together or do you tend to feel like the rest of the world is out to get me and like they're dumb, I'm smart, I'm the only one who can figure this out. Um, so a lot of the, those personal mindsets and traits and, and really that have to do with what you, um, like sort of how you see the world. Uh, if, you're, if you're a candidate and you want to improve these, you can, um, but because, because it depends so much on wanting to change them, uh, this is one of the things that people will hire for a lot. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm going to slightly double down on this one. Um, if you were to, let's say, pick any top five to six skills from candidates' perspective, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think, like, somebody starting into, like, thinking about product management or a new PM, what are the some skills, like, starting skills they should focus on, um, you know, when, when, when they're thinking of product management? Nice. Yeah. So in, um, in the new book, I've kind of broken down the skills into four categories. So there's product skills, execution skills, strategic skills, and leadership skills. So product skills are, are what does it take to design a product that will delight customers and hit the goals? So here, a lot of, um, I mean, there'll be things about like, can you get customer insights and data insights? So those might be two things you might be tested on of like, do you, can you figure out what are the right questions to ask somebody to get the, uh, the information you need from them? Um, like the information that's not just about like the surface level of what do they think they want, but like dig a little deeper to understand what's behind those needs. Um, and actually, when I think about a lot of the kind of trick questions in PMing, um, a lot of these are based on that, like are trying to get at that customer insight. So if I'm like, hey, design me an alarm clock. And you start designing and you do this all and you never like figured out that I was blind. Like, you know, sometimes they'll hold that information back and they'll be like, oh, is there anything special about these people? I think that that's a clumsy way to test for the skill, but that's what they're kind of trying to do is they're trying to say that um, when I ask you to design an alarm clock, um, that wasn't the job to be done, right? That was, that was, uh, that was just what it sounded like in, in the customer's mind, but there, there might be deeper, more important things that they're really trying to achieve and deeper problems. So under, being able to dig deeper and get to those real core customer problems is one. Um, data analysis. So understanding like how can you, um, and, I, and I, I also, I would tie in interviews, you'll tend to see this data analysis and analytical problem solving will get mixed together. They both kind of have the like analy- data anal- analytics word in them. Um, and, and data analysis is a good way in interviews to test for analytical problem solving. But I see analytical problem solving from my point of view is can you take a big amorphous question like, Oh no, the stats are down. The site, the site metrics are down. And can you, can you, can you add structure to it to pull it, to break it down into smaller pieces and take this big problem, structure it, break it down into smaller problems and eventually get it down into small problems that are solvable. And, and that's, that's, that's a real uh, interesting skill and one that people can develop over time. But so that, that you will sometimes find with like a tied together with the data analysis question. Uh, just can you take big amorphous questions and break them down? Other things you'll see on your interview. So that, that's sort of, I think, the top things you'll see from a product perspective. Oh, product and design sense. Uh, so that'll be um, be like given a um, given some sort of like vague idea. Can you figure out how to break down what kinds of product choices would solve the problem? And it's interesting because as PMs, when we get to the job, our job is really less about coming up with the solution and more about defining the problem and validating the solution. Um, but you need to have that taste. 
and you need to be able to like recognize good design and bad design. And so people are not expecting you to come up with the absolute most amazing creative ideas here, but like, can you understand what the problem is and what the goals are? So really here, one of the things that comes up is uh, one of the top ways people fail these questions is they, they come up with designs or feature ideas that are disconnected from the goals. So maybe they didn't think about goals, right? So maybe they were just like, oh yeah, I want to improve this website. Here's what I do, da, 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 da. And they just like a bunch of random ideas. Right. Or maybe they did think about the goals and they're like, yeah, really important thing for this company is to, you know, this company is going to really win on the quality of the content they have. And then you're like, great, what would you do to improve the site? And then they name a bunch of stuff that, that will not improve the quality of the content. And that's one where like, that's one where it's like a little bit of a trick question, but not that much of a trick question. Like if you just said what the goals were, do you have this, I consider it the habit of mind, mm-hmm. you know, the habit of mind to, uh, to reconnect the ideas you have back to the goals. Because even if you can like kind of remember it from a template, if you don't have the habit of going back, um, when you're in your day-to-day life as a PM, you're making decisions all day long. And, and if you don't have the habit, you'll very quickly forget. And like maybe the first three decisions of the day you use back to goals, but then the next, the rest of them, you forget to think about the goals. Right, right. So um, almost subconsciously, you know, new PMs could be building this habit of always going back to the goals and then practice uh, basically going like from a very large, like you said, enormous type solution problem and then breaking it down into logical, very smaller chunks. Um, and, and practicing that over time in their, over their career to, to get better and better, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's gold. That is gold, Jackie. You guys, um, you, if you like something Jackie has said, feel free to post it on LinkedIn and check, tag Jackie and product career or use hashtag product career. Now that we've, you know, kind of touched upon the skills, I want to talk a little bit about, um, the paths to product management, right? So there can be several ways. Um, back in the day, it was a few traditional, you know, like when you were like a business analyst or a business systems analyst, these were a few, you know, paths. But I see so many other ways now uh, that PMs, you know, you can break into PMs. So what have you kind of seen uh, your experience been, um, you know, for various paths to product? Yeah, so, um, so, one of the most straightforward paths is if you're in school, either undergraduate or MBA, um, you can get an internship. Uh, companies will come and recruit for those internships and then use that to move into full-time job. Um, so if you're in school, definitely go for those internships. Even if you miss the internship, you're going for full-time. Companies like uh, companies are recruiting straight out of school. So apply for those APM positions, apply for those, um, those new grad positions. Um, let's say you're not in school, yeah, and I, I don't necessarily, I don't usually recommend going back to school for becoming a, a product manager. So some of the best ways to move over, uh, two really good ways. Um, one is the internal transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this works at, I'd say most companies, but not all. So for example, Google is kind of famous for making the internal transfer really hard. Um, I know lots of people who tried to transfer at Google and couldn't. So first check if your company, if anyone successfully transfers to product management. Um, but if they do, the reason this works so well is because you're, you're building up your credibility at the company. People already trust you for being at that company and for the great work you've done in your job. And then you can also move sort of as fast or as slowly to do that transition. So, um, so definitely talk to product managers at your company, talk to the, the hiring managers and ask them, be like, hey, I would love to become a PM someday. Any suggestions for what I could work on now so that I could be uh, eventually ready to make that move when you have an opening on your team? Um, and then you can also offer to try to like find ways to start doing the job today. So that could mean um, helping out a PM saying like, hey, do you have any work I could take on? And they would love this, right? Product managers are so busy. So there's often some piece of work that they would be happy to hand over to you. And to them, it feels like front work, but to you, it's an opportunity to show your, your interest and your abilities. You can also um, just start doing, some companies don't even have a product management team. And a lot of people become PMs because they just started doing the job. So for example, there'll be someone who's on customer support and they're answering customer support tickets. And while doing a good job there, they realize like, hey, we'd have fewer tickets to answer if we change the product to work this way. And so they draw up a design and they share it with the team. And they're like, hey, what do you think? Can we do this? And now the team's like, wow, that's really helpful. Thank you. Uh, and eventually they can talk about like 
changing their title over and seeing if they can work to move over. So internal transfers are great. They're, they're also sort of low risk in this way. You're not like without a job, you're not reapplying. Right. Um, yeah. And then the, um, the other thing that I see that's pretty common, and this can work if you're, especially if you're at a big name company, um, if you're at, you know, like Google, for example, um, and this is the move from a large company to a smaller company move. And so the, the way that you make this move is while you're at this larger company, even though you're not in product management, um, try to absorb as much as you can from those product management best practices. You know, uh, sit in on PM meetings if you can. Talk to the PMs, like look up their specs and their templates and their processes. Um, learn as much as you can about how great product is shipped at these companies. And then if you're applying to a, to a smaller company that doesn't know how great software is shipped, even though you weren't a PM at that company, you'll learn so much about, about great product management processes that you'll be incredibly valuable as a product manager at the smaller company. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's useful. So um, when, 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 you know, a candidate, you know, when they're aspiring to be in product, if people, um, you know, they're, they're learning the processes in place, they're understanding that they have that base knowledge, I think they can uh, perhaps take that to, you know, outside any companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. What about, um, like, specifically, like, if, if you're from, you know, from college, like a student, right? Is there any specific things students could do to kind of break into products? So I know there's uh, the associate product management, like programs companies have, but mm -hmm. anything beyond that, that you might have seen or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so definitely those are the right, the, I think the best way to go in from undergraduate, but like, how can you, um, how can you, uh, best, like set yourself up to get those jobs and get those internships and in in those jobs? Um, a few things. One is, um, you don't need a computer science degree to become a product manager, but at this point in time, it still helps. So, um, so definitely like if you have a, ch a chance to major or minor in computer science, I would still recommend that. Um, it does a few things. It, um, it, it sort of checks that box for some companies that are looking for it. And it does, I mean, it's a hard major, right? It does demonstrate a certain amount of signaling of your skills if you're able to, to do well in that major. Um, beyond that, um, people will look for leadership, um, leadership skills. Um, and I'll sometimes look at this as I call it like signs of excellence. So uh, the, the APM programs are highly competitive. There's so many people that are going for a small number of spots. So generally, um, I think people need to have like usually at least two signs of excellence. Um, and this can kind of be anything, um, but there's a few that like work pretty well. So like great grades could work um, if you've gone to a great school or if you've had a great internship, those, those can help. Um, if you've done varsity sports at your, at your uh, college or if you've been a teaching assistant, a residential assistant, um, if you've been the leader of a club, if you've started your, a lot of people uh, right at this point in time, a lot of people have like co-founder as like of some of some student job on their resume, and um, it's enough people have it now that th it's not the most meaningful. Like I think it can kind of be anything, um, but it does it does get your resume noticed. Um, so those those are all helpful. Um, and then the my my sort of controversial take on something that I think that that helped me a bunch for being a PM, but isn't isn't considered like generally well accepted. So take this with a grain of salt, is that. I did a debate in college. I did a parliamentary debate, um, which is different than policy. So the parliamentary and Lincoln-Douglas debate, I found both are, uh, were actually the best training I ever had to be a PM um, for a few reasons. Uh, so one reason, like the, the kind of easy answer is it like teaches you how to persuade people, right? And so much of what you're doing as a PM is influencing people, trying to persuade them. And that really helps. Um, but I think the more important reason is that it teaches you how to listen. So, so this, uh, you know, I've done debate for so long that I, it was fun that I started to try to teach people debate. And I was like, what's hard about debates? And the thing that I found that's really, really hard about debate that people don't have when they start is listening to each other. So a typical new person, like first time they're trying out debate is person one stands up and here's like, here's my three reasons I think we should do this. Mm -hmm. And person, the next person gets up and, and what they say is, here's my three reasons I think we shouldn't do this. Right. And then they sit down. And that's a bad debate. <laughs> and why is it a bad debate? It's because they didn't uh, they didn't respond to the points the first person made. Right. Yeah. So a good debate is you'd say, "Hey, I heard your three points. 
here's my reason why I think point number one isn't really important. Like, I know that you care about it, but I actually think that this shouldn't be the reason we decide. Point number two, I think you're wrong. And here's some evidence of why it's wrong. And then point number three, like, I see, I see what you're thinking, but I think there's a better way. And I can actually come up with a better solution to achieve that goal. So that directly listening, noticing someone's points and responding to them, I think is so key to what PMs do. I think that's one of the underrated skills, like a path to preempt uh, PM. Like, so if, if debate, and now that I'm, you know, hearing, you know, your experience, I'm thinking, yes, it absolutely makes sense, you know, because what you're doing is you're, like you said, you're putting your point, but you're listening. So you're influencing, listening, and also like some sort of leadership as well, like you're leading. And I think those are like key skills, like a, day one requirement for a PM, like it doesn't matter what level you're at. I think these are the underlying skills for PMs. Um, that's, that's awesome. If you can build those skills, um, you know, and be part of debates, you know, I think for, for a lot of students be part of, you know, debates and stuff, I think that can really help them build those skills, develop those skills as well. Um, I'm gonna uh, transition us into more, a um, little bit like for the new PMs, um, so what are some of the, like some, some tactical, uh, you know, sort of things that I want to dive into. So what the first one I have is when you're, you've already cracked the PM role. Now you're on the job. Uh, what are some things that PMs could do to kind of learn more technical skills? Because like you said, design and technical is something you don't need to be fully, you know, knowing, you know, be a designer, but you have to have that sense. So what are some of the things like PMs could do to build those, these skills over time? Like when they're already in the job? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, by technical, do you mean like, um, like understanding code or do you mean like, what are the hard skills? What are the, what are the more concrete skills of product management? By, by technical, like I'm, I'm thinking like you're working with, you know, we're working with designers, uh, sorry, engineers day in and out. It helps mm -hmm. to sometime understand, let's say, you know, what's an API, right? How, what is, mm. what's the tech stack, you know, being used in the product, things like that. Something that we, yeah. you know, as PMs can keep building on over the years, like what, what could we do? So, um, so for understanding that the technical aspects, um, I actually have a section in the new book that's like the technical terms. And so I talk about, you know, I basically went out and I asked everybody like, what, when we're new PM, what words did you not know what they meant? Like, and so we went in and figured out like, and we wrote out for all these basics, just like a real touch on like, what is an API? What is a server? You know, this kind of stuff. Um, so I do think that, that that might be like a good primer to like get familiar with the terms. But the real thing that's important for developing technical skills is to not be afraid to ask questions with your engineers. Uh, what I find is a lot of times people who don't have a technical background will be afraid to ask a question or they might be afraid that they won't, they won't understand the answer if they get it. Mm -hmm. And yes, having a, a technical background might make, a, it might make you like catch on a little bit sooner, but not that much. Mm -hmm. And so I don't recommend that you need to do a, like a lot of like technical research or learn to code or any of this, because it's going to be so unique what you need to know for your job. So really just uh, develop, being brave enough to ask the questions of like, what does that mean? What are the implications? What are the pros and cons? You know, are there any long-term implications? Are there any scalability implications? Um, if you say like, hey, this is, I don't want to build it this way because it's going to, it's too hard. Like, what does that mean? Is it, is it, um, is it going to take a long time to build? Does, would we have to move away from a standard component to a custom component and we'd have to rebuild a lot of things, but would it reduce the stability of the site? Like asking questions to understand is what's really important. And then maybe below that skill is developing relationships with, with engineers, because if your engineers like hate you, then it's going to be really scary to ask those questions. But if you have like even one friendly engineer at your company who, who can be like, Hey, can you help me out? I wanted to like understand this better. Then that can be the person who you go to with those questions. Awesome. Awesome. So building relationships, I'm, I'm going to, go double down on this one because I think it relates to um, influence, you know, without authority, basically that's the tagline of product management. Um, how can, how can somebody, you know, build that influence um, without having the authority, you know, somebody starting out, how can they slowly keep building that influence? Yeah. 
So when I started, I had the wrong mental model of this. So basically my mental model was, um, you know, why would they do what I asked them to do instead of like playing Minesweeper solitaire all day, right? Um, and that was the wrong mental model. So I was sort of like, I kind of considered everything that I was going to try to influence them for to be like a bad thing that they were going to have to um, do and that they wouldn't want to do it all unless I like called in a favor. The people at your company that are there for a reason. They, they generally want to do their job. They want to do their job well. Uh, they probably even want to get promoted in their jobs. Um, and to get promoted in their jobs, they need to like deliver great work. So, um, so the way that you influence without authority is you understand the person you're trying to influence. You understand like, what are their goals? What do they care about? Um, how does their job work? What are they worried about? What like, what might, might be the blockers that would hold them back? What are their concerns? And then you help show them how the ideas that you think are important are connected to the things, to their own goals. Mm. So it's not that I'm trying to get them to do something that I want them to do that they don't want to do. Instead, it's that I am trying to show them how the thing I want them to do is good for them too. And how, if they just understood why, why I was recommending this, this um, approach, they would on their own have decided to do it. Right, right. So that's that's really how I approach influencing without authority. Awesome. So helping people achieve their goals as well as um, yeah, working together with them, right? They want to do this work, right? That it, it is good for them. You're not trying to get them to do something they don't want. And if you are, uh, you have to kind of go up a level, right? So maybe I am asking, maybe I've really messed things up and I've broken the site and I'm asking an engineer to take time on the weekend to like fix the site. And like, they clearly don't want to be doing this. But the reason I'm asking them is that I'm worried that we're going to like lose a lot of customers if we don't fix the site quickly. Mm-hmm. And that losing all those customers could cause our company to be in big trouble. And, uh, and if our company's in big trouble, like, you know, we might lose our jobs <laughs> or like all of our stock that we have is not worth as much. So, so even when you're trying to get them to do something that like at the specific exa- level, they, they don't want to do it's the reason you're asking is because of some, you have some shared mission of, of working at the same company together. And so finding that, that shared area. Love it. Um, I'm going to dive into a couple more questions because, and then I'm going to, I want to talk about the book because I'm really excited. I'm, I'm sure there's a lots of nugget deep dives into various of these topics in the book as well. So a couple more questions and I want to talk about the book. Um, so it goes back to for new PMs, right? going back to the goals that we're trying to achieve, whether it's customer needs, you know, that we're trying to address or company goals, how can new PMs um, or, you know, just PMs in general balance between the short-term and the long-term goals? Like how can they prioritize basically, I think um, some of the techniques that have helped. Yeah. Yeah. So generally, when I think about what I'm trying to do with my team, I usually think about like, I'm trying to get the best results over the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this can affect, and this is going to be even before we get to the roadmap, right? Is like, how do I work with my teammates? Do I ask them to come in on the weekend? Do I invest in training them or give them a chance to make a mistake? Um, a lot of these things are like, do I like push really hard for the thing that I think is best? Or do I like let them have their way? Right. Like a lot of these, these questions are sort of like, wh- I'm not trying to make this project go as well as possible. I'm trying to make us have the best projects over the next two years. And so sometimes that'll mean, you know, really standing up for what I believe in and sharing my frameworks and my principles for why I believe something should be a certain way. And sometimes it's like just being agreeable and being like, look, this isn't that important. This isn't like getting this right. Isn't going to lead to the best results over two years. So like, how do I invest in the relationships first? Um, then when it comes to the, like the actual roadmap and you're like, hey, this feature will help us now and this feature will help us later. Um, what I really like to do is take a portfolio approach and think about, um, think about what percentage of my portfolio should be working towards short-term goals and what percentage should be working towards long-term goals. And there's not a single right answer. It'll depend on like this, your company strategy and the specifics there. But if you say like, hey, I think that we spend 80% focused on what we're doing now and 20% working towards this long-term vision, uh, see if people agree with that. And people might be like, no, it should be 50, 50, or no, we can't even afford that much. It should be 90, 10, or, you know, but you can have that conversation at that high level much easier. Mm-hmm. And then you can fill in your roadmap both ways. So, uh, the analogy I like to use here is with a charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, when you're doing your charcuterie board, you're like, well, how do I, how do I balance the trade-offs between fruit on my charcuterie board and meat and cheese? And you don't say that like, you know, uh, you have to compare each piece of fruit to each piece of meat and decide which one's more worthy to belong on your board. Instead, you think about, well, I have a general idea of, of the balance I'd like on my board, and then I'll choose the best thing for each category. Balancing and choosing the best things. Love it. Love it. This is a lot of good information, Jackie. A lot of, I'm going to probably be rewinding and listening to this, even myself. <laughs> it's awesome. I have one more question and th this is about time management and let PM as a PM, uh, there's always conflicting priorities, you know, things coming from various directions, even in a day. And sometimes, you know, even the week, you know, priorities change and you know, what's, what's the, uh, there's just a lot sometimes happening. How do PMs, can they, how can they manage their time? Um, and then sort of, you know, if you can in touch, touch base on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I like to think about my ideal time as a pie chart and I like to do a pie chart because you can't go past hundred percent. So if you just try to do it with hours, you're like, Oh, I'll just spend a few more hours here, or a few more hours here. And it's like, no, you got to think about percentages. Um, and when I'm setting up where I ideally want to spend my time as a PM, you're going to need 25 to 50% of your time to be just available because you need to be responsive to your team. You can't, you can't book up every minute with uh, meetings and things like that, um, or you won't be able to, to help out your team when they need you. Um, and then with what's left, you can kind of look at like, okay, how much time should be on project, uh, project management? How much time on customer research? How much time on strategy and thinking about the future? Um, and then to make that real, um, first, like, consider where you're actually spending your time. And I think that for product managers, most of our time is on our calendar. Mm -hmm. So um, so when I'm trying to analyze my time, I'll just, uh, for like a week, I'll block off uh, any time that wasn't a meeting. I'll just kind of like put a little meeting block on and say what I worked on during that time. And then at the end of the week, I can look and see where my time went and see what I spent it on. And I'm not trying to go too fine-grained. People get way too detailed here and it becomes its own project that takes up your time this is just like you know that's saying what i spent my time on um and then you can try to see what do you need to adjust to make it happen and i think the reason that pie chart and the, that analysis is so important is because the first step is like admitting to yourself that you don't have time to do everything you want mm -hmm. as long as you haven't admitted it to yourself you're going to make uh commitments that you can't keep and you're going to sign yourself up for too much and you're not going to make the hard choice to say no to stuff that you have to say no to the only way that you'll be able to say no, the only thing that gives you like the strength to say no is seeing it, like seeing like those two pie charts and realizing that there's no way it's going to fit unless you say no to something. Yeah. Um, once you know you have to cut stuff, then it's just, then, then it's usually not that hard to see like, what can you cut? What can you push back on? Um, the other thing that's a really good trick here is because PMs live out of their calendar is I like to schedule uh, meetings with myself for important things that, uh, that aren't urgent. So for example, I'll block off half a day to work on strategy. And when that time comes, I'll turn off my notifications. I'll like go into another room. I'll like make sure that I do whatever I have to. Sometimes I'll have to schedule like half an hour for dealing with my email before or my inbox before I like get into that time just to make sure I can have the time to actually focus on strategy. Um, and that way nobody else signs me up for that time. And it, it's, you can practice this over time. You can get a little bit better about defending that time. Sometimes I'll like set it up too far in advance and then it gets, then I'll end up covering it up anyway. Or I like the time will come, but I'll be like, I'm just going to finish up this one thing. So you like, but you can just kind of every time that you don't spend that block on what you meant to, you can kind of reflect and figure out what you can do better next time. Right. Right. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> it makes me laugh because like, I'm, I'm thinking of a situation where yes, sometimes it's about, I think it's, it's distraction also. It's also like knowing what you, sh you know, sh first of all, like you said, right? The main key here is knowing that how much time do you really have left on your calendar? Unless you don't know that, then, you know, you're going to go off tangent and, you know, um, all different directions, but knowing is the key there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about the book, um, Jackie, I want to dive into the book. This is your second book. The first one was focused around cracking the interviews. I think that's, that's a, my, one of my favorite books. And this one is all about PM career. And 
can you talk to us a little bit, you know, what can we expect? Who is it targeted for? Um, if you can, please. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the book is really targeted um, from, from early career all the way through to senior levels. We really want to make sure that we, we covered all of it, uh, not just because we wanted the biggest possible audience for our book, um, but also because I think a lot of, of, what's, um, of what's important to grow as a PM is to see what's ahead of you. I think so much of what's, what's tough as a PM is like, especially like great new PMs are told like, you're doing great, keep doing what you're doing. And that's not going to help you advance. That's not going to help you grow as much as being like, you're doing great, keep doing what you're doing. And here's what the next level looks like. Like, yes, you need to, you know, for example, early on in your career, you need to ship products to actually move forward. Um, and that takes time. Um, but you can say like, look, what you're doing now is great. You're at the right level for what you're doing. But, um, but while you're like waiting to like get through and keep doing what you're doing on shipping your current product, here's, a, here's a, a, a picture of what a senior PM would have done differently in this role. And by the way, here's like what your manager is doing all day. Like, did you know what your manager's goals are? Did you know um, like why they might've might have made a strange decision and like why it made sense to them? So, so I think showing that picture of what the advanced levels look like is really important to, to understanding your, your growth trajectory and what might happen. Um, so I've got the book broken down, like I kind of mentioned into the first part is those key PM skills, really breaking down each skill into like the skills, uh, the, like the responsibilities that you have, the frameworks and the practices you can use to get better mm-hmm. at them. And then uh, at the end of the book, we've got um, the last sort of 20% of it is really about PM careers. And so this kind of like digs directly at like, what is the career ladder like for PM? And what does it take to move from one level to the next? You know, what is it that differentiates a senior PM from uh, a PM2, for example? Um, yeah. And uh, and just one of the, the key insights we had in the book that I think is really, um, I think really important and, and been kind of fascinating for me to kind of be like, oh, this makes sense now is, uh, is that there's really three phases of a PM's career. So before I might've thought like, oh, there's two phases, like you're an individual contributor and then you're a manager. <laughs> um, and even there, I didn't really know what a manager does. So there's actually three phases. So there's the shipping products phase. So when you're a new PM, your job is to create great products that delight customers and hit the goals. Um, but at some point you'll plateau. If that's all you're doing is getting better and better at shipping product, um, you can't advance because you have to move into the second phase, which is product strategy. So this means not just, and they overlap, so you still have to ship products, but you also have to be figuring out what's like a winning strategy that will help us win the market. What are the goals we should be setting? What are the new opportunities we should be going after? So really thinking about not just like, how do I hit the goals I was given, but how do I set the goals and decide what goals will be important for our company to go after? Um, That becomes a a big part of your career to advance. And then there's a third level, which I'd say comes like not necessarily at your first management job, but to advance from there, which is organizational excellence. Uh, So this is really the idea that the way that you succeed as a product leader is by forming a a strong team. And so your your team is now your product. So so a lot of what you need to do to become an excellent PM is you you need to recruit people to your team. You need to coach them and develop them. You need to set up processes so that all the people on your team can work well together. And you have to work cross-functionally to make sure that all of the different departments can work well together so that your your team can ship great products. Um, And as well, a lot of your effort at that level is not just managing down to your team, but really being a member of the leadership community at your company and influencing the strategy of the company and helping be a strategic advisor to the other leaders at the company. You know, I also had this in thought, like individual con- contributor and manager, but I think you you said it very beautifully, the way it transitions shipping products, then uh, putting the strategy together, product strategy, and the third part is the organizational, you know, very high level uh, growing into that role. Is there like um, certain like timelines, like the uh, what I'm trying to get at is like shipping products, like is that like maybe up to five, seven years, like kind of um mental mentally you know if to be thinking you know i've been doing this for you know 5 7 years time for me to move on to you know growing to that next level is there sort of like timings uh, timing around that sort of so they'll they'll overlap so as long as you're an individual contributor which you can be an individual contributor your entire pm career a lot of people do it it's a great path 
Um, and then you'll be shipping product will be a big part of your job for your whole career. But when you've been doing it for 12 years, it'll be kind of easy. Like that won't be the hard part of your job necessarily. You might be delighted by the things you learn from customers, but, but you'll know how to ship products. Um, in terms of like, when should you start picking up product strategy? Um, I think um, you can start really as soon as you have a team that does more than one thing in a row. So if you're an intern, you can't really do product strategy because um, you just have one project. But it, uh, and sometimes if you're a new PM, sometimes you'll be given specific projects, but sometimes you'll be given a whole team. So as soon as you have a team that's going to do some project after this current one finishes up, you can start to think about product strategy. Um, in terms of when you need to, um, it'll be around when you're trying to make that leap to senior PM. Uh, this will happen at different times, um, maybe five years, seven years in your career. Uh, if I was going to give a time, but it'll, it'll depend on your company. Um, and, uh, and I would not do it. I would not put a heavy focus on it until you've shipped at least two products, um, two full product life cycles. Um, and that might be, um, and maybe not for your first two years, like for your first two years, you can pick it up if you have extra time, but I wouldn't, for your first two years, I wouldn't let your shipping product skills suffer just, um, to be able to demonstrate. Now it depends, like maybe that's what your company really needs and you really should work on product strategy sooner. Um, but early on in your career, you're trying to build up the credibility. And if you don't have the credibility, uh, that's gonna hurt you for your whole career. So it's more important to build credibility on shipping products and then um, make sure once you have that credibility, then it's kind of safe if you have to say like, hey, I'm gonna be less available for my team for a little bit so I can focus on strategy. Um, and you already built up the trust so that uh, people don't think you're a terrible PM while you're while it's happening. Right, right. That that's that's awesome. Jackie, is this book available on Amazon and other channels as well? Yeah, yeah. Amazon. Um, it's available on Kindle. It's available on Bookshop. Um, I think I saw that it might you might be able to order it through Barnes and Noble. Um, but I think that they might be charging one of the, one of the websites was charging too much for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, can, uh, Amazon's probably the best place to buy it. But, uh, but if you like independent bookstores, bookshop works. Yeah. Amazon's worldwide. So, um, uh, I think best place to start and then, you know, explore further, I guess. Just a few questions looking at the time. Um, uh, there's one I see here, um, that says, do you believe in do you believe the final destination in PM journey is being a business owner slash entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, great question. So when I started researching this book, I kind of had this idea that like, yeah, there's lots of PMs and lots of people, but they all kind of want the same thing. They all want to become like an entrepreneur. And uh, that is, is definitely not true. So there are lots of different paths and, um, and just to name a few of them, there's like, yeah, going off to start your own business. There's going to be like a general manager at a big company. There is going to become head of product and staying focused on the product part of the world in a, in a company. Um, another thing that I think is really important is various ones paths that aren't like climbing a ladder, but are rather, um, changing the, like focusing on either like the product that you really care about. So there's lots of different ways people care about a product. And so they might say that I want to work on social impact products, or I've always wanted to, I work on enterprise. I've always wanted to work on consumer products, or I've worked on like a product that has like only a, few, a small customer base. I want to work on something with a larger customer base. So, um, so a lot of PMs like to follow that path of like working on products that are more meaningful to them. Um, and then other people, uh, also just can kind of say like, look, I've gotten good at product management. I've got a lot of extra energy here. I'm going to not devote that to like climb. Like once you're a senior PM, you don't need to climb higher. Like you're making a lot of money as a senior PM at a big company at least. And, um, and you're very valuable to your company. So instead of, instead of trying to like get promoted and expand your scope and your influence, maybe you decide that you want to work on a, a team where you really love the people and you have good work-life balance. Um, or that you have a side project that you start up or some other part of your life that's really important. Um, and all of these are really valid. And I think that it's, um, it takes some like real like internal work to see which one you really care about because sometimes like the shiny thing that your parents will be proud of you for is the thing that draws your attention, but it might not be what makes you really happy. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, it's not the, being an entrepreneur is not the ultimate, but if you want to be, could be that, but there's lots of other um, you know, things you could be doing, staying within product, as Jackie mentioned. 
Um, all right. One oh, more. Yeah. So I, I see. Yeah, I see Donald's question about um, about should you start on your own idea after college or um, or better work at a firm. I would say it's generally better to work at a company at a firm that you can learn best practices from, because if you start your own idea, uh, no, maybe you are the brilliant genius and your own idea is going to be like you know the next Amazon and like go for it. But for most people, uh, when you start your own idea, you're gonna a lot of trial by fire, a lot of like mistakes you'll make, a lot of reinventing the wheel. And so many people I've talked to says that like two years at a big company, they learned three, you know, two to four years at a big company. They learned so much that just gave them like a, a head start on any ideas they wanted to do themselves uh, later. Uh, Tanisha wanted to become a PM has been trying uh, and told it takes a long time. So um, it can. Some people have tried to become a PM for many, many years. Um, and many successful PMs that I talked to were told multiple times that they couldn't be a PM. They were told, like, you don't have an MBA, you can't become a PM, or you don't have a CS degree, you can't become a PM. Um, and so, um, so it can be hard. And a lot of people then have, like, been persistent and after many years have become a PM. Um, I would say that um, pay attention to the different kinds of, like, uh, talk to them from different companies. At some companies, it's going to be really hard to become a PM, and at some companies, it'll become easier. So it might take you a long time, but if it's what you really want, you can keep trying. Um, and don't don't feel you can only do it at your company if your company is sort of giving you a timeline that feels too slow based on what you what you've been hearing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think we're we have a couple more minutes. Any closing uh, thoughts, Jackie? Anything you want to share? Final thoughts? This was a great session. Awesome and loved it. Thank you so much for that. But any final thoughts you have for the product career community here? Yeah, I am just, uh, I'm really glad that some people want to become PR product managers. I think that we have like a really important role, right? We get to um, be the people who are out there looking for like what problems are worth solving. And so um, I think it's a really impactful role. It's a role with like um, an important responsibility. And I think that uh, by by sort of honing our skills, we're able to help create better products in the world that, that do more good for people and do less, less harm. So, um, so thank you everybody for joining. Thank you so much. And we're going to wrap up here. Thank you for listening till the end. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I humbly write on product management, product discovery, tech news, self-development and growth, and my lessons from nearly a decade of being in product. You can find all the details on my Instagram page with the username Product Career. Again, your host, Nazuk Jain, signing off. Take care.